0: hi this is graham mctavish and you are listening to the fsf podcast
1: the show that tried playing the game who's cylon and is it anyway you know where the jokes were made up and the points never really
2: mattered our show is brought to you by our charity sponsor the red shirt widows and orphans fund which supports the wish upon a teen foundation that helps out sick kids when they need it most and just imagine the comfort you'll give Redshirt Crewman number 13. He'll know that when he goes to reclaim the Misty Mountain from smog along with Dwallin', Ballin', Keely, Feely, Dory, Nori, Ori, Owen, Glowin', Biffer, Bofer, Bomber, and Thorn, that he didn't leave his family destitute and without hope. Because the Redshirt Widows and Orphans Fund has his back, and what's left of his ale monk.
1: All right, kids and cadets, our guest today is an actor in some of the most popular shows and movies that you've seen out in the last few years, like Outlander, there's Men in Kilts, Witcher, The Hobbit trilogies, and now, of course, on HBO's The House of Dragon. And today he joins us to answer a few questions and hopefully share a few laughs with us. That's the most important part. But okay. we are so extremely excited to welcome Graham McTavish to the FSF podcast. Welcome to the show, Graham. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Oh, we trust me, the honor is all ours. We are very excited. We've been giggling about this for the last couple of days and messages back and forth.
3: Honestly, honestly, it's been longer than that. We interviewed Jed Brophy a year ago.
1: And Uh, when Jed's
3: like, oh, you should get in contact with Graham McTavish, I about fell out of my chair. Jed. And I (laughs) have been poking at Tim with the, do we get Graham yet? Do we get Graham yet? Do we get Graham yet? For the last year. (laughs) So it's been a while. I'm very excited.
0: (laughs) No, no, no. Well, Jed's a lovely
1: man.
2: He is. He's so We had such a good
1: time with him. Yeah, he's great. He really is. So, Graham, one of the first questions that I always like to ask straight out of the gates is I like to talk to people about their background, what got them into acting. We call it, you know, the origin story because we're nerds. We're a trio of nerds. We like, you know, our superheroes and our origin stories and all these different things. But I'm going to bypass that today because I started watching Men in Kilts. Mm. And that's fantastic, by the way. Absolutely oh, love you. it. Uh the banter between you and, and Sam is is wonderful. The way you guys go back and forth with each other. It's there's a lot of lot of fun there. Yes. Uh but there's an episode in episode one, there's a scene where you guys uh found your new look look like your new paradise when you enter the the barley drying room. Ah yes of the at, yes. At, yes, yes, at the Laphroaig, uh Distillery. And mm. the look on your faces when you're told that you can go dive into and play in the barley is fantastic. And I think that's much how I would look when somebody yeah. tells you, yes, you can go do the thing. Yes. So, uh, But I'm always game for more whiskey suggestions. I'm a whiskey fan. Mm. And um, I like Lefroy. I like Lagavulin. Uh, um, there's a couple other. I like Dwyer's uh, as well. I'm mm. more of an Irish whiskey fan, though, to be honest with you. I'm I I hang out there. What's that? Heresy. Probably so. That's probably because I'm Irish. Uh, But but I'm always game for more whiskey suggestions. Uh, So I'm asking you, uh, what is your favorite? And what do you suggest for whiskey newbies uh, that might be listening to the show? Mm,
0: Good question. Um, Well, um, I recently discovered a whiskey, um, a malt whiskey called Springbank which okay. comes from the fifth whiskey region in Scotland. Um, there's uh, Well, there's Lowland, Highland, Island, Speyside, and Campbellton. And this is from the Campbellton region. It's a very small region. Uh, coincidentally, the region that my family come from, Argyle. And uh, there's, I think there's maybe three, maybe four distilleries there, but Springbank is one of them. And uh, this is something I actually share in common with the showrunner of House of the Dragon, Ryan Condal, uh, that he is—he's actually a member of the Springbank, um, you know, customers, you know, society or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he—he he and I, we both love it, absolutely love it. It's a combination in flavour of a sort of a of an island whiskey, the kind that you just described, and a Highland one. So it's—it's okay. it's taken a little bit of the peat edge off. But it's a beautiful, beautiful whiskey. So I would highly recommend that. Other ones that I've um, uh, discovered, Loch Lomond uh, malt whiskey, also superb. Um, I'm a fan of Highland Park. uh 105 is another favorite. And in the lowland world, uh, the smallest distillery um, is called Edredour, um, the smallest whiskey distillery in Scotland. And it's, apart from being a beautiful, beautiful place to visit, uh, the whiskey is superb. But most of it is made for export, so you could probably get it in the United States more easily than you could get it in Scotland, actually. Mm. Okay.
3: That is the thing that it's, there's all of these beautiful, wonderful whiskies, and they are so hard to get in the United States. Are they really? They are. Yeah. I was actually looking at um, the Sassanac. I wanted to order a bottle of Sassanac. You can't get Sassanac in Michigan. They really? will not ship it to Michigan.
0: Oh, that's weird.
3: Like,
0: I mean, it took me, it took me a very long time to get a bottle myself because he never would send me one.
3: Oh, well, that's just no. rude.
0: No, I know, it's just rude. It's like his book, his new book. Have I have I got a copy of it? No.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: no. Was I allowed to read it? No. No, no. He's hiding it from me. Like he's hidden his whiskey. Like he's hidden his tequila. Oh, oh man. Yes. Well, we know he's a, a booze
3: down, so of course he's not gonna share,
0: but No. No, 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 no. There is a pattern developing, uh, but um, I hear that Sassenach is a very nice whiskey, and I'm sorry that you can't get it in Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I don't know where I, I don't know where they distribute distributed to because I'm just kept in the dark.
3: Of course, yeah. goodness, you would think he'd have more respect for his uncle than that.
0: <laughs> no. <laughs> no, he has no respect for me at all. Um, really, it, Sam's sole purpose in life—it uh, it has become clear really is to terrify me that's it (laughs) pure and simple under the guise of making a television program
3: i did notice that in season one of men in kilts
0: yes oh and season two it's the gloves are off he doesn't even pretend anymore oh man yeah 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 it's 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 just uh it's an it's an ordeal really um it's i wouldn't go as far as to say it's like naked and afraid but Mm. it's it's, it's not far off in terms of its sort of bowel loosening terror that he unleashes.
3: Kilted and terrified.
0: <laughs> Kilt, I like it. <laughs> I like it. Kilted <laughs> and terrified. Very tethering to it.
3: It does. So, Graham, I know that I could talk Outlander all day. The guys okay. have, I don't think the guys have ever seen an episode. I have seen every what? episode at least once. Um, I actually just got my mother in law started. She started watching it last night, and I think she's at like episode Good. 10 or 11 of season one now.
0: It's important that you groom new people into the fold, get them.
3: Yes, they must enjoy this Mm. wonderful, wonderful story that plays out in front of you. But I've actually noticed with your characters, with Dougal, and then with Sir Harold in House of the Dragon, you have this stoic viewer, like, attention-grabbing way about you, this presence, this screen presence, which is incredible. And mm-hmm. then you watch Men in Kilts. And we have Graham McTavish who's afraid of heights and um,
0: yes. Refused afraid.
3: to get refused to get on a kayak and rode a tandem bike. <laughs> but the, well, the, a, <laughs> the
0: there is a story about the kayak that will come out in due course. I can't tell you about it now. Of course, you will
3: in the
1: fullness of time get the the true story about the kayak.
3: Oh, uh, I I look forward to that. Oh yes,
0: you but
1: will. in in Graham's defense, it, you know, in episode one of Men in Kilts, uh, he and Sam also talk about how they will put anything uh, into an audition to make sure that they get the job. Can you ride That's a true. horse? Yeah, I can ride a horse. Can you ride a I kayak? Don't. Sure, I can ride a kayak. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Fire me out of a cannon. I'm fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I can it. do it. No problem. Yeah,
0: hey, yeah.
3: I was just interested, though, with the the difference between the the characters that you play and mm. the actual Graham McTavish that we see. How do you get into the mindset of these big stoic characters when you yourself seem to be a little bit of a goofball?
0: Yeah, I yeah, I guess. Um, it really it depends on the situation. I definitely have. Uh, a lot of you know someone like dwalin for instance a little bit of dougal as well uh sir harold um they definitely have a lot of my father in them um but i also have a lot of him in me and so i um i access that reasonably easily um i i'm um in real life i'm somebody who uh you know, I'm I'm polite, and uh, you know I try and be kind and generous to people as much as I can, all the rest of it. But I also have a very low tolerance for uh, rudeness and mm. uh, disrespect. So in that respect, I'm actually very similar. It's just that you've never seen me do that. Mm. Um, but my kids have, and it's a constant source of embarrassment to them. So, oh
3: well, please, that is what, please, that's what don't. parents are for. Please don't.
0: Please don't. Please. Don't. please. uh, So yeah, there there is a bit of there's a bit of Dougal for sure, just below the surface, and and definitely a bit of Harold Westerling, yeah, for sure.
3: I love it. I actually was reading an interview with you earlier today, where the I can't remember it was Square Mile Square Mile
2: Square Mile yeah Uh the
3: the description of you in that interview was absolutely fabulous, talking about being six foot three and how if Grant McTavish was walking up to you in front of a pub that it would be totally understandable for you to be walking in the opposite direction away from him. I'm <laughs> <laughs> like, no, this is the kind of person that I'd be like, sure, I'll talk to you. I got this.
0: Yeah, yeah no, well, good. I'm glad. I mean, I remember uh, my eldest daughter, uh, I went to a school event that she was having, and it was in the evening, so it was sort of dark and... And she was walking down the hill with her friends and there was girls and boys and things like that. And I, I sort of came from behind towards them and started saying, hello, and hi, hi, how are you doing? How was it? That was really fun, wasn't it? And I just noticed that all the boys just sort of drifted away.
3: That is of, a superpower.
0: They sort of disappeared. And and afterwards I said, why, uh,
3: why, would they, why,
0: why did none of the guys hang around? And she said, Daddy... Daddy, they're very afraid of you. They're very afraid. They find me very frightening. I said, "Why?" I said, "Why would they find me frightening?" And um, so it's handy, definitely handy in certain
3: situations. My dad was my dad was very similar. My dad was six one, full beard, big dude, mm. and he had the same effect on on guys. I would be standing talking to guys, and all of a sudden they walk away, and I'm like, "Dad, yep. really."
1: I know. It's a superpower that I embrace.
3: (laughs) It's a beautiful superpower. My husband's going to have to work on that. Our daughter's four. He's uh, he's got some time. He's got got some time, but he's going to have to work on it.
1: I will teach
2: the Padawan. It'll be fine. (laughs) So speaking of the many characters and roles that you've had and between Men in Kilts Season 2, which we're still waiting a release for, yes. and Netflix The Witcher and mm. HBO's House of the Dragon and your now confirmed Return to Outlander Season 7. Mm. And in addition to your voiceover work, you have been very busy lately. Yeah. So between all those roles, there hasn't been much time for rest and relaxation for you, but in your free time, yeah, how do you like to relax and refill the metaphorical cup?
0: Oh, ah, good question.
2: Other than yeah. a whiskey?
0: Mm, no, I mean, not so much. I, uh, how do I relax? Well, um, books have always been a great part of my life reading, reading has been a huge part of my life. Um, and trying now to do a bit more of the writing as well, uh, which I find enjoyable. Um, so I do that and spending time with my children. So whenever I can, I go back to New Zealand. Uh, to see them I was just there actually for about 10 days I saw the kids and that's um that's a really wonderful experience especially when they're at the age they're at 15 and 10 um it's just uh they're really just precious years you know when they're that age um in different ways uh I you know I had the pleasure of playing my 10 year old at chess and um yes it was um it was a salutary experience I uh I I sat down in front of her and I thought, I knew she'd played before, but I thought she's 10. I'm just going to be gentle. I don't strong, you know, and two and a half hours, two and a half hours, this game. And we ended it, ended in, it ended in stalemate. And I had to really, really work at not being crushed. <laughs> uh, by my 10 year old daughter. So I actually found that very relaxing, very enjoyable. We we do we um, we make Lego together, we 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 do all sorts of, sort of fun things. So I find that very, very relaxing. And in terms of sort of activities, uh, things like cycling has always been I've found very meditative.
3: I find mm. that very
0: sort of calming process for me because uh, I do find it difficult to stop. That's a problem. I, I find it difficult to just slow down a bit, and uh, I'm always trying to think of what to do next. And I know Sam uh, is exactly the same, exactly the same, if if not worse than me. So uh, yeah, yeah, it's a problem.
3: That yeah, sounds good. Like well, that's gonna make up for up. some great adventures with you two. Yeah,
0: yeah, 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 yeah. No, he's always coming up with ideas and uh suggestions and doing things and um you know we throw things back and forth and yeah i mean with with him and me together it's always about finding the time carving out the time to be able to do stuff uh but um it's always enjoyable uh and i I look forward to whatever we do next
1: so for for many people who have watched men in kilts they've enjoyed it and i reference this because it's a new show to me and i'm very much enjoying it and so um (laughs) The, the humor is, is fantastic, and like I said, I love the banter between you and Sam, and I love the way that you two interact, and you guys mm-hmm. truly do seem to have a, a good friendship, and in, in the, the chemistry just shows up on screen, You know the, yeah. how much you enjoy one another's company. But yeah. one of the other things I wanted to talk about was going back to that first episode, because it, it just raised a lot of questions in my mind, not only about the whiskey, but also about the food, because you guys were eating some wonderful food in that in that first episode, and you guys were talking about different uh forms of, of scottish cuisine now one of my yeah. favorite movies is um done by mike myers uh called so i married an axe murderer it's a, an older yes. movie Wonderful. Um, yeah and and he says in that movie that most of scottish cuisine is based on a dare so <laughs> <laughs> so what i'm wondering is uh what's one part of scottish cuisine that you wish more people uh knew about and appreciated
0: oh well, I mean, the, the, you know, it's a little bit like Tom kitchen says in the show, uh, that Scotland has access to some of the best meat and fish, uh, the freshness of it, the, the quality of, of their produce is, is fantastic. So, you know, oysters, any shellfish, any fish, um, obviously salmon, uh, venison, you know, lamb. It just goes on as the beef. I mean, all of these things I, I just love. And, and of course, you can't not mention the haggis, uh, which is a superb uh, bit of cooking. If it's done well, it, sometimes it's not. But if it's done well, it's 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 really, really great. No, the reputation that Scotland got for its cuisine sometimes was was based on all these things like, you know, deep fried Mars bars and uh, all this sort of just fried <laughs> food that, that some people were consuming. And you know scotland has struggled uh in the last however many years uh to shed that reputation but it's i mean it's got some of the best restaurants in europe uh, now in scotland and uh, some of the best hotels as well so i oh i i love eating in scotland
1: okay yeah because The the, the idea of haggis has always kind of thrown me off. And I, because I'm afraid of, and genuinely, I I wouldn't be against trying it, but I'm always afraid of what if they don't know really how to cook it? You know, what if they're, you know, what if it's not, you know, cooked correctly?
0: Well, what you, you mean, you mean food poisoning?
1: No, I mean, uh, (laughs) just not being a good chef. uh, You know, oh.
2: Well, it's (laughs) because.
1: It's more about the ingredients
0: than the cooking, because the cooking is pretty basic. It's it's basically, you know, you just put it all in the, the sheep's stomach and then it's just cooked. There's not a lot can go wrong with that, but it's the ingredients, it's what goes in that's important, the quality of the ingredients. And that's where the really good haggis makers excel. But I would go, I would recommend only trying it in Scotland, unless okay. you can get a very, very good uh, imported I guess, uh, and go to reputable butchers that specialize in it. And then you will not be disappointed.
1: Yes. Be yeah. Marvelous. Cause I, I've gone to a couple of, uh, you know, Scottish slash Irish restaurants here in Michigan. And there, I've mm. seen it on the menu a couple different times. And each time I went, mm.
0: yeah, you I know. mean, I don't know. It could be
1: okay. Could be
0: okay. But I get your point save yourself until you're in the land of the haggis and then that's fill probably. yourself with the haggis
1: <laughs> and you will be replete. You will be there happy. So you take it out of that happy. stomach, put it in your stomach there. Gotcha. Okay. The, the
3: concept of haggis has always confused my brain a little bit. And at the same time, I'll eat sausage. Like that's stuffed exactly. in intestines. It's fine. Like Exactly.
0: Exactly. And, uh, you know, and it's all, it's all comes from, um, uh, you know the, the the way that the Scots are very very practical, and mm-hmm. so nothing goes to waste. So it's it's like, oh, why should we have for dinner? Let's just scrape everything off the table and just ram it in a sheep's stomach and <laughs> cook <laughs> it.
3: <laughs> oh, all
0: right, Dad. So there you go. Um, so that's yeah, that's probably the birth of the haggis.
3: I do have to um, say, talking you talking to three Americans about the the reputation Scotland has gotten for fried foods and I'm like oh yeah no they just gave that to America now
1: yeah that's that's called the that. south in, in the United States <laughs> I didn't want to mention it but yeah can we deep fry that
3: oh it. hell yeah we can deep fry that no,
1: so no.
0: Yeah.
3: <laughs> I do love deep fried food though
0: it's there's time for everything it's tasty
3: although I have actually found that fried food is just as good in my air fryer and I never thought I would say that
0: oh I've never used an air fryer
3: oh, oh. they can
0: be
1: quite fun
3: I never thought, like, when they air fryer start, first started becoming popular, and I'm like, no, that's dumb. I'm just going to keep my deep fryer. Yeah, no, this is way easier.
2: Really? Is is there a dish where haggis is deep fried? <laughs> Listen, if you can imagine it, it will have happened. Yeah,
0: okay. <laughs> it will have happened. I'm sure of it. I mean, if they can deep fry a Mars bar, and if they can deep fry a pizza, they can deep fry a haggis.
3: Ooh, deep yeah. fried
0: pizza. It's, yeah, there, there's... There's nothing that they won't try and try Mm. in Scotland. But uh, Mm -hmm. I try and avoid that as much as I can.
3: It's probably better for your arteries. Quite. (laughs) So in addition to traveling the absolutely beautiful countryside of Scotland Mm. with Sam, you guys also wrote a book together. Clan Clan Lands, wow. Whiskey Warfare and a Scottish Adventure Like No Other. That is a fantastic title for a book. It's a
0: good title, isn't it? Yeah. It is. Uh, I was pleased with that. Yeah. Could
3: you tell our listeners about the book and how it came about?
0: Well, Clanlands, Uh I um, I'd sort of come up weirdly. I'd come up with this title. Oh gosh, thirty years ago, uh, I I wanted to write about Scotland, and do and do sort of DVDs as they used to have, mm-hmm. and uh, of, of Scottish clans and stuff. I had a great interest in Scottish history, um, and then it took you know, Outlander and, and everything else to sort of bring that to, to, to pass. Um, and with the book, um, we'd we'd done a teaser. Um, we'd, we'd shot over like, I think five weekends in Scotland, me and Sam, mm-hmm. to, um, to get enough footage together, to persuade stars that they should uh, allow us to sort of be unleashed all over Scotland in a camper van. And um, we we assembled all this together, and a lot of that uh, formed the basis for the book for, for for Clanlands. That early experience. So there are lots of things that we speak about in Clanlands that are not in Men and Kilts, for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was really just a kind of like a like a love letter to Scotland, really. Just these extraordinary people that we we met that you couldn't make up. Amazing, amazing characters. Wonderful locations, and the fact that we quite literally did the journey with no real planning at all. There was no script. There was no, um, oh, let's uh, let's make sure this is covered and all the rest of it. We just found people that we were interested in and we went and talked to them and drove there in a camper van. And I learned a lot about Scotland and about Scottish history that I didn't realize uh, myself. And I, I count myself as somewhat of a scholar of Scottish history. And uh, I, I just found it fascinating, particularly the endless feuding, mm. the the gigantic lengths that the Scots will go to to take revenge on each other. I mean, they are they are just fearsome, um, and, and clans you know, well known clans: the McLeods, the McDonalds, the Campbells, you know, the, the the Colhouns. All of these guys they they love nothing better than a good scrap. Right. Um, <laughs> I mean my my favorite, I think my favorite one is it was the it was the dispute between now let me get this right the Macintoshes and Clan Chatten. And that Robert II decided needed to be needed to be settled on a battlefield. Well, they 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 created a battlefield. And they built they built stands and everything like a like a football match. And uh, the king had his own special area and everything like that. And 30 of each clan brought them. They would have a pitched battle until one was left standing. One, one lot would win. And so they started. Now, the problem was one of the clans turned up with only 29. So they were one man short. And now this is this tells you everything you need to know about Scotland. They're one man short. OK. So rather than, for instance, like a kind of mad idea, ask one of the other team to just step off the pitch, they went, no, no, no we have to find another. And so they went to a local pub and they literally just said, anybody here want to fight? And <laughs> the local blacksmith, who was probably in the middle of supping his pint, just went, Hi. right, that'll be me. And he just got up, no connection to the clan whatsoever, joined them. They began the battle. And so Walter Scott speaks about it in subsequently in writings about Scottish history, that these people, they, they had a half time. They had a break. They had like benches where they went and sat, you know, after like 10 of their friends had been slaughtered. And then after a 15 minute break, it's like, right, well, it's time to get the axe out again. Got to get in there. And then they went out and they continued until there was literally only one man left on one team. And he jumped in the river and escaped. And one of the people that was left standing was the blacksmith. And I love that story <laughs> because it it in t- it perfectly encapsulates Scotland. It's it's th- they're always just one drink away from a punch up, and uh, it's yeah, it's kind of wonderful, really. Fun that.
2: fact: a beard actually uh, cushions a punch like it's like micrograms, but it's still like cushions like- a punch ever yeah. so slightly, but. I guess so. <laughs> I'm
0: not I'm not gonna stop punching myself in the face, but yeah, I can imagine, yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Mm. It, would, it would be just a little bit of a cushion.
0: A handy handy thing to know. Yeah. Mm.
2: It, it was it came up one time and it was a weird conversation and it <laughs> and was it like, like <laughs> it. <laughs> We can and try I mean, it out with just your mustache, Nick.
0: I'm gonna punch you in the face.
1: <laughs> you've got a beard. So you've got an advantage. <laughs> yes. Right. And now a word from our sponsor. Since 1982, Vital Signs and Graphics has been helping professionals with all their image, logo and design needs. Perhaps you're looking for signs and banners, truck and trailer lettering, business cards, brochures, or other image and marketing aids, Vital Signs and Graphics in-house design studio has you covered. From logos to apparel, start to finish, Vital Signs and Graphics has everything you need to look and feel professional call rick at 231-652-3300 he'll get you noticed
2: welcome back to the fsf podcast. so we've had the privilege of talking to jed brophy he's an awesome guy some time ago and yes just a delightful conversation he he also lives in new zealand he does so what is it about new zealand that drew you enough to relocate from scotland to what most of us see as the real-world Middle-earth. Yeah, well, I mean, I'd done The
0: Hobbit, uh, and at the time, my youngest daughter had just been born. Um, She was literally like a year old when the show, uh, when the movie's finished. And it came to that decision, you know, do we we move back to Los Angeles, for instance, uh, which is where we'd come from? or do we stay here? And if I'm honest, uh, the, the main reason was that uh, we preferred the idea of educating our children in New Zealand, having the upbringing and the lifestyle of New Zealand for them, rather than the lifestyle of LA. And uh, and that, that very much informed our decision. So um, it, it, it posed some pretty major problems for me commuting-wise, you know, because of course, Almost immediately, I uh, I no longer uh, worked in New Zealand. I was just constantly working um, abroad in in America and in Europe. But I've made it, you know, I've made it work, and I see them very, very, very often. And they come over. They came and visited me in London while I was doing The Witcher, and um, obviously while I was doing Outlander, they were living with me in Scotland. And it was um, it, it's been it's been great. And I think New Zealand. Especially for children, is a great, great, great place to live.
3: That is the best reason. That is the yeah. absolute best reason. Yeah, thinking about the difference between New Zealand and LA. That is, yeah, huge. Yeah.
1: yeah.
3: I cannot imagine raising my daughter in LA. No, no, thank you. I
1: know. All right, so Graham, looking over the roster of roles that you have played, uh, which is impressive um and you've had the opportunity to be part of all these really cool shows we've mentioned them all Hobbit Outlander Witcher House of Dragon you know and, and that's just kind of scratching the surface of some of the things that you've done but i have a question for you about the hobbit in particular now i know that as a you know you played the ro- the role of Dwallin, one of the 12 dwarves in the hobbit but i have to assume that there was some physical challenges attached to the the angle of the camera and how they did the camera work to make you appear smaller in stature mm. than Sir Ian McKellen's Gandalf. So what I'm wondering is, is what were the physical challenges that you endured or had to come across it to, to do that role?
0: Mm. Yeah, well, I mean, when I got the part, I knew that it was going to be very physical. So the second co- phone call that I made after getting it was to my good friend who was a personal trainer in Los Angeles. And we started a sort of, I think, five-month training regime to get myself uh, match fit. And so that when I got to New Zealand, I was, um, because at this point I was 50. Okay. Uh, And at at this point, so I I decided I wanted to make sure that I would be injury-free and able to do all the things that would be asked of me. I knew the costume was going to be heavy. I didn't realize quite how heavy it was going to be. Um, And obviously I'd never fought in prosthetic makeup, but I knew that was going to be a challenge. So that informed a lot of it. Then we had three months of training ourselves when we got there. So by the time we started, particularly me, Jed, Aidan, Dean, and Richard were uh, very, very fit uh, for for the, the roles. And the physical challenges, you know, I mean, when at my heaviest uh, my costume with the axes and the cloak and everything like that, uh, that weighed close to 70 pounds over my body weight. Ooh. So I was, you know, running in that, fighting in that. and the 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 problem with that as well was that because we were wearing this prosthetic, the nose and the top of the head, and I had prosthetic arms as well, so it was like wearing like five pairs of of washing up gloves that happened to weigh five pounds each. Um, that, that just meant that whenever you exerted yourself in a fight, uh, your heart rate would spike immediately. And your heart just couldn't understand why you weren't cooling down because there was nowhere <laughs> for the heat to go. So you, you would just, <clears throat> you would have to stop. And so my training became about recovery, how quickly I could recover. And so that was very, very important. Uh, but Peter, Peter had no sympathy, no. <laughs> no sympathy at all. I remember the first time um, we did a fight and, uh, you know, we were trained, you know, we we fought, a, 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 it was a, the spiders, I think, were attacking us. <laughs> and um, it was about a two minute fight. And at the end of it, I mean, you're literally, you know, you're practically on your knees and he's like talking to his guy. are you all right, Lance? Yeah. Okay. Can you carry on? Because he had no, he just had no sympathy. But he did eventually wear the dwarf makeup for for just half a day, and he said, "I don't know how you've done it." <laughs> That's um, the interesting thing, you know, we were constantly being put in, you know, situations of misery. You know, the the fish being poured on our heads, Rough. the barrels going down the river. Uh, yeah, they were being being bound up in cobwebs. Uh, that was that was pretty nasty. The cobweb thing was was pretty nasty. Being oh, yes. suspended from a spit, being roasted over a fire, uh, and I remember that I was the first one on the spit, and the last one off.
2: Oh, so I was basically
0: on that spit for the best part of two hours, so literally cute. bolted to a spit. I remember Adam Brown puking. Uh, there was somebody else had some kind of panic attack. And there we are, just being turned slowly for two hours. <laughs> and sometimes I did think that The Hobbit was just a pretext for Peter to just exercise his sadist, sadistic <laughs> Um Because it was remarkable what he did, just putting us through these awful things. Wow. Um, but it was great fun. And Jed, Jed, I mean, he won't have said this because he's too modest, but Jed, I don't think Jed ever sat down. He was he was like the Harold Westerling of The Hobbit. He never sat down. The most that Jed might do, because we were provided with chairs, and Jed just kind of refused in this kind of stoical New Zealand fashion. Um, the most he did was go down on one knee. I remember that. He would, that. And then you knew that Jed was really feeling it. If he went down on one knee, it was like the canary in the coal mine. You know, when Jed starts to exhibit any kind of tiredness, you know, you're in trouble, Uh, because that guy is like a machine. Um, And uh, I always remember we would, we competed against each other once to see who could do the longest plank um, when we were training. And I was pretty confident. I was, I was, you know, I was in great shape. And I thought, okay, and I think I managed three and a half minutes, right? Jed, did five minutes,
2: five, minutes. and I think he
0: only stopped because he was bored. Yeah,
2: <laughs> was that with um, or without the armor? Oh, that was that was without the armor.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that was without the armor. But uh, yeah, it was great though. It was great, and um, I mean that 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 alone, it was such a wonderful physical challenge. The entire experience. That it was um, was one of the best things about it, actually
3: that's awesome I love hearing stories from movie sets like that especially movies that I love so much uh,
0: yeah.
3: so Graham as a young mom I love to ask advice from experienced parents you have oh, two daughters yourself okay. my yeah. daughter Anora is a very energetic fiercely stubborn four-year-old so my question is how do I guide my daughter without putting out the fire that I know that she's going to need later in life while still trying to live with her <laughs>
0: gosh what a very very difficult question um i mean i mean the best thing you can do i guess well what i try and do uh it helps that i am a child you know that's helpful but i've not forgotten what it's like to be a child because i still part of me still lives in that world uh, constantly um so you know i listen to them i try and remember what it was like for me in those sort of situations how my own parents because they're the people that that really give you the template for how to bring up your children and if they've done a good job then then you too will invariably do a good job um and yeah listening uh being uh, wanting to have fun with them you know because they all want they all want to be um doing stuff all the time. And it is tiring. I mean, my goodness. It's the most tiring thing I've ever done being a parent, especially mm-hmm. when they're little, as I'm sure you can testify.
3: It is it is exhausting. <laughs> it
0: is totally exhausting because there's no off button.
3: No.
0: Unless they abs- unless they pass out, mm-hmm. which is your constant hope that they are going to pass out. Yes, it is. <laughs> your day is really spent trying to exhaust them, to just drive them into sort of a, some kind of semi-coma. Mm-hmm. That they, they'll sort of uh, be out for at least. I mean, I used to. I remember if if it was half an hour, I'd be like, oh, this, "This is so great." And you'd be um, you'd be there with them, and and they would lull you into that false sense of security where it had been quiet for half an hour. And then I remember you'd I'd be sitting there doing whatever, and then I'd look over and I'd see these little eyes looking at me. Mm-hmm. It'd be like. I'm back, Dad. Yes. <laughs> yes. Dad. Be afraid. Oh. Um, but <clears throat> they're the best thing. They
3: are. They're the most
0: tiring thing, but they're the best thing. Um in any uh anybody's life, I think. Um I'm uh, it's the the thing that I'm most proud of and the thing that gives me the greatest joy in my children. So uh it's um it's a wonderful privilege, and um and uh you know it's it's not always easy. Uh, um, but if you can take a step back every now and then and go, no, this is good. This is good. And and then just, yeah, and, and really en- enjoy them. Enjoy them. And they'll enjoy hanging out with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And, and don't um, don't be, and this is my personal view, uh, don't be uh, overly protective, you know. Be protective, but don't swamp them with... Mm-hmm kind of no you can't touch that don't pick that up don't don't eat that don't do this all the rest of it sort of fussing around them constantly they need to be a little bit free range you know they need to be able to do stuff and uh, I mean i remember for instance my eldest daughter one of her favorite occupations was eating carpet fluff and uh, she would love it she, we had a we had a new carpet and we were constantly vacuuming it trying to get get the fluff out but she would just find bits and we're like And we, you know, obviously, you can't let her have a diet of carpet, right? but but it did her no harm, is my point. She's fine. And uh, my mother used to say, uh, the saying she had, which was probably passed on to her by her mother, who was a Victorian, is eat a peck of dirt before you die. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with the measurement of a peck, but a peck is a lot. It's huge. Mm -hmm. It's a giant amount of dirt. So make sure you consume enough dirt, you'll be
2: fine. There you go. So last question, more on the sillier side than serious. And <laughs> okay. if you wouldn't, if you wouldn't have been an actor, wow. what would you have pursued? Okay.
0: Well, I was going to be a pilot. That was because my father was a pilot. He was a pilot in the RAF in the Second World War and then he was a civil aviation pilot. So I'd grown up with that, and I was really struggling. I wanted to be a writer. That's what I loved doing. When I was a teenager, I wrote these books, these adventure stories, and and I wrote plays that I put on at school and things like that. I was sort of savvy enough to know that that wasn't necessarily a a great career choice, was to become a writer at that point. Um, So I was all geared up to be a pilot. So I'd would uh, I'd done the medical and I was gonna go to university and then I was gonna join the RAF and, and all the rest of it. But apart from catching the acting bug when I was about 17, I realized that the three things that I loved about being a pilot was the uniform, uh, the travel, and the ability to meet attractive women. That was it. And I thought, let's just be an actor instead, you know? <laughs> You can, you get to wear the uniform without the responsibility of four hundred people when you're when you when you're flying around. So uh I kind of um I ended up not being a pilot. Mm. But one of my great regrets is that I never um followed the offer from my father of teaching me to fly. Um I mean it's never too late, but he could have taught me to fly. And I did one lesson with him and I thought, oh yeah, I'll get back, I'll get around to this. I'll do it, I'll I'll do it later. And then I never did. So that was a regret, okay?
2: Well, Graham, thank you so much for being on our show today. Where can our listeners go to find out more about you and things that you're working on?
0: On Instagram, I am at Graham McTavish, all one word. The same with Twitter. I am not on Facebook. I don't do TikTok. Uh, I mean, there's just some things you have to draw the line with, really. You just have to. uh, I'm
3: sure Sam will try to convince you to do TikTok.
0: Is he doing it? I is think he, he is oh my goodness sake he has no shame um <laughs> uh and, and i'm i'm off yeah i'm off facebook uh and i have a website grahammctavish.com which i need to update but that those are the uh those are the places where i'm sort of around
2: yeah. and people can find your book where
0: oh my the book they can find the book uh well on amazon uh waterstones if you're in the uk uh barnes and noble um yeah, a lot about this, a lot of countries. I think it's translated into nine or ten languages now, which is quite bizarre, really.
3: It's got all five-star reviews on Amazon.
0: Oh! And there's oh, like 12,000 really of them. Nice. <laughs> That's really good. Oh, thank Oh, I didn't know that. That's great.
3: It's good to know, isn't it? It, it makes, is. Your it's. work should be appreciated. You guys have well, done a lot of very, very impressive things. Thank you. Thank you. And we are going to make sure that we link your socials and your website and the yes. Amazon link for your book in our description so that our listeners can go check all of that out.
1: All Thank you very much. And we also want to remind everybody that subscribing is the single most important thing that you can do to ensure that we get more amazing guests like Graham McTavish here today and have funny moments for you to be able to listen to. So please subscribe. It helps out more than you know. And please make sure that you go check out Graham's work as well. And click that link down in the comment section below. Go buy yourself a book. You won't regret it. But if for whatever reason you are not happy with the content of our show today, please feel free to lodge a complaint with the head of our complaint department. That, of course, is the master distiller of LaFroy whiskey. Now after Sam and Graham left a little bit of Sam and Graham in the barley dryer, he's had a bit of a bone to pick. So if you send in two carefully completed complaint forms, he will see to it that the offending parties become one with the bog, if you know what I mean. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or just tell us what we did wrong over a wee dram of whiskey and let us be bog free.
2: <laughs> oh. Or we can build an arena and fight it out. That's yeah. right. Robert <laughs> II knew what he was doing. I'm growing out a beard. I want to
1: take less damage.
3: <laughs> Man, yeah. but I can't grow a beard. My poor jaw. Oh, <laughs> it's
1: okay. <laughs> well, th- thanks again, Graham. This has been fantastic. We appreciate wow. your time. Pleasure. Pleasure. Lovely to see you all.
3: Thank you. It was wonderful meeting you.
1: You too. All right. Bye for All right, man. guys, that's going to conclude us for the FSF podcast. Goodbye. bye no. On behalf of the rest of the hosts of the FSF podcast, we want to thank you for listening to this episode. If you'd like to be a guest on a future episode, please contact us by means of Twitter or Instagram using the handle at FSF or go to www.fsfpodcast.com and click on the contact me link. Thanks again and hope you enjoyed the episode.